0: happy valentine's day love what matters just already this morning early i was uh in the uh, book of first corinthians 13 the love chapter of scripture and uh, man just reminded of what the apostle paul says is love and i thought that'd be kind of a fun way this morning as we look to that together well today maybe you're new to our church we want to welcome you maybe you're a longtime member maybe you've been visiting checking us out we hope you'll come back man this is a good day to be here Brand new series starts today. I believe it's going to run 12 to 13 weeks. Yeah, it's going to be like summer. No more cold weather, balmy, sweat, humidity. Doesn't it sound exciting? But we're starting, uh, I'm going to skip out for a week of Easter. But this year, not I'm not doing a whole Easter series. I'm just going to do Easter Sunday. We'll celebrate the risen Christ as we do every weekend. But today, starting Philippians. Philippians is known as the book of joy. I love this verse, this uh, particular book. Matter of fact, my life verse is in this book, and we'll talk about that a little bit later, not today. But as we look at this book, Paul writes this book to the church at Philippi. And they're a church that is rich in faith. And it's a book filled with exhortation. You're not going to be rebuked for the next 12 or 13 weeks. You're not going to be corrected. You're not going to be, like, beat down, not that that's ever my, but you're going to be encouraged and stirred and, and pushed toward encouragement and to live a life of joy. How many of you are excited about this series? You're like, yeah, I want to go to that church. Now, I try to teach the whole council so we have to do the hard and the whatever, but this is a book just of joy. And I go to this book often to find strength for my soul and encouragement. So I hope you'll open your Bibles to the book of Philippians. Hey, can I ask you a question? Is my mic cutting out? brand new mic pack it just came in and uh, I, I can I just go ahead and tell you I hate holding a mic because I can't use my hands but uh man tell you what how many think there's a devil how many think that he's alive and well how many think we should cast him into the forest pit of hell this morning eh, or y'all just go ahead and do that okay Okay, is that better now? Sorry, folks. We're really trying hard to get this thing right. All right, the book of Philippians, the epistle of joy, encouragement. What's available for us? If you're a Christ follower today and you say, I got a couple questions. One of those is, I want peace. Study Philippians. Maybe you're here today and you go, I want to walk in victory and have the mind of Christ. I'd go, study Philippians. You might say, I just want to know Jesus. I'd say study the book of Philippians. There's so many things I could tell you about why you should read this book, but I'm hoping it's only four chapters long. It is so full of God's truth and power for everyday living, and I hope you'll just make it a part of your regular diet. The main theme of the book of Philippians is joy. Wait a the main theme of the book of Philippians is Okay, you're saying has he had a Starbucks this morning? He is No, no, I'm not. I've not had sugar. I'm all doing good. I just love this theme of joy. It's the heart of the Lord. It's the heart of him for you in this place. Now, here it is. The city of Philippi was located, located there in Macedonia, the northernmost part of the Greece, uh, Greek province, uh, Albania. Okay, And in this particular region, uh, about 52 A.D., Paul finds himself there meeting with the church at Philippi, and scholars tell us somewhere between 61 and 62 A.D., he writes this letter. He writes these these four chapters, if you will, and he writes, although he didn't write any chapters in, but he writes this letter to them to encourage the people. It's not that they had it all together, but he was extremely grateful. He had joy, And, and when you think about it, the unmistakable theme of joy is somewhere between 16 and 19 times. The word joy and the word rejoice is used consistently through this book because Paul is trying to amp up the message of joy for the people of Philippi, and he wants us to know. Now, when you think about joy, I want you to think about perspective. Just write in your notes. I left your room today. I did that on purpose. Just write down the word perspective. Perspective. It's amazing when you have perspective how you can face things. You see, some of you right now, you're awaiting a um, um, tax refund. And and some of you are anticipating. Now, some of you are in here like, dude, I'm depressed. I I got a tax bill. Okay, well, let's say for the ones that you're going to get a tax refund, you're anticipating that, and you are going to be full of joy at a future date, and you've got it circled on your calendar. Here we go, baby, Disney World, come see me, Mickey, or something. But in life, sometimes it happens and sometimes you have a bad, awful day and your transmission goes out or your air conditioner goes out in your house. It's called life. You're going, dang, you were talking about joy. Now you got us depressed. I did that on purpose. I'm going to take you back to joy, okay? And you see, but that's called happiness. And happiness really has very little to do with joy. Happiness is all dependent upon mine and yours circumstances. And if my circumstances are favorable and good, then I'm good. If my circumstances are bad and awful and terrible, things aren't so good. But we can have joy, the scripture says, in spite of everyday reality, everyday circumstances. And so you're going to hear this over and over, and I hope God's going to drive it in your heart because Philippi here basically becomes a Roman colony there for the people. And there's this guy named around 400 B.C., if you want to know a little history. His name is Philip II of Macedon. He's the father of Alexander the Great. He has an ego, as many people in those days had like we have today. And he named this city after himself, And that's why we get Philippi. That was his name. So it's just kind of interesting. So you look at this and you see that this book is all about um, rejoicing. But let me tell you, you, if you know the history of Philippians, you're like, but I don't get it because I understand that Paul wrote a majority of our New Testament and he was under house arrest a lot. And he's in prison in this time when he writes Philippians. So he is chained to a Praetorian guard, they would change change the guards every six hours. So four guards a day, Paul knew. Paul wanted to go to Rome to advance the gospel to preach Jesus and God prevented him, did not permit him to go in. But here's how cool our God is. It seemed like a bad, awful circumstance. And Paul couldn't go to give the gospel to Rome, but he did. He had the elite bodyguard, the elite officers that he was chained to, and the Praetorian Guard that had major influence in the empire. And every day he got chained to four different ones. And do you think he talked about ESPN and the weather? Well, the answer is no, because they didn't have it. They had weather, they didn't have ESPN. No, he talked about Jesus. So he influenced, and I believe he probably, we don't read about it, but I bet he led a number of them to faith in Jesus Christ. I bet they went, oh, my goodness, here's this gospel terrorist, and he's going to tell me again about Jesus and about Jesus. And so it's an amazing influence. And and I'll just give you this if you want to write it down in your notes because we're going to build a whole case over the next quarter. But Chapter one's all about circumstances of being in prison. Chapter 2 is all about, all about attitudes, the attitude that you come with, the attitude that you... Uh, is prevalent in your life the attitude that we all know the attitude that you're a grump you're upset or whatever chapter three it's all about the people and the false teachers and those that come to steal joy and they're still true today and chapter four is all about worries and the cares of this life and that's just kind of a really simplistic kind of general overview of these four simple chapters in philippians and i just hope that you'll read it a lot during this time matter of fact what i want to do today is i want you to stand And I'm going to read it to you from the message today because it's going to say it a little bit different. But I'll be just preaching this out of NIV probably week after week. But y'all stand with me. And I want you to hear Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. The Apostle Paul speaking here. Listen to this. Paul and Timothy, both of us committed servants of Christ Jesus, write this letter to all the Christians in Philippi, pastors and ministers included. We greet you with the grace and peace that comes from God our Father and our Master Jesus Christ. Every time you cross my mind, I break out in exclamations of thanks to God. Each exclamation is a trigger to prayer. I love the way Eugene Peterson phrases that. I find myself praying for you with a glad heart, and I'm so pleased that you have continued on this with us, believing and proclaiming God's message from the day you heard it right up to the present there has never been the slightest doubt in my mind that the God who started this great work in you would keep it in and bring it to a flourishing finish on the very day Christ Jesus appears it's not at all fanciful for me to think that this way about you my prayers and hopes have deep roots in reality You have, after all, struck me with all the way from the time I was thrown in jail, put on trial, came out of it in one piece. All along, you've experienced with me the most generous help from God. He knows how much I love and miss you these days. Sometimes I think I feel as strongly about you as Christ does. That's pretty deep, profound love. So this is my prayer, that your love, will flourish and that you will not only love much but well. Learn to love appropriately. You need to use your head and test your feelings so that your love is sincere and intelligent, not sentimental gush. Live a lover's life, circumspect, an exemplary, a life Jesus will be proud of, bountiful in fruits from the soul, making Jesus Christ attractive to all, getting everyone involved in the glory and the praise of God. This is God's word for us this morning. You can be seated. Now, you're saying, well, it says it a little bit different. And when he says there, he says to the saints there. Anytime you see the word saints in Scripture, it always refers to the body of Christ. It refers to those that are saved, those that are redeemed. So saints is just another word for, as Eugene translates it, but as we know from uh, Greek and whatever, it just means the believers. So here it is. You start off this book and you see right off the bat that Paul comes and he says grace and peace. I'm just writing the margin today in your Bible or note, it's the first G and P. It's grace and peace. And first, to ever get peace, we have to experience what? The grace of God, the grace of Jesus. And once we experience the grace of God, then we can have the peace of Christ. And when we walk in the right relationship with the Father, that peace is always a byproduct. So it's always grace and then it's peace. It doesn't say peace and then grace, it says grace and then peace. And then he talks to us here about Paul and about Timothy. And, and he says, they're bond servants of Jesus Christ. They're doulas, they're slaves, they're servants of the Most High God. And this is very important. And Paul wants them to know that that's the job that we have, that you and I need to be willing servants of Jesus, willing. You know, Jesus comes into our life, gives us a, a new heart, a new nature. And in the process of that, then we willingly deny ourselves, pick up our cross, and we follow after Jesus. And we say, Lord, I want to serve you. I want to defend you. I want to be about your purposes. I want to, I want to love you. I want to honor you. I want to show the world you. I want to be devoted to you. A bond servant has a, a deep sense of devotion and duty, how they're committed to Christ. They, they serve not because it's their job. They serve because that's who they are. That's who we are. If, if you're a follower of Jesus this morning, then you are a servant. You are a slave of God. And you're are going, man, that's awesome. And some of you are like, I, I, don't, I don't want to be a servant. Well, then you're going to live in the flesh, and you're going to know a lot of misery in your life, and you're going to not have a very attractive witness for Christ, and your influence is going to be extremely limited. And God says, but here it is. This, this is what I really have for your life and what I want for you. Now, move on here with me. I want you to see this. These people, they're, they're, they're set apart for the Lord. They're holy. They're blameless. The word would be sanctification, being set apart for the purposes of God. But the people here at Philippi, they, they really have their act together. They, they battle the Judaizers we'll talk about in a few weeks. But there's some powerful things, and, and Paul is extremely grateful to these people. And I want you to look right there across the top of your worship guide. Will you, will you look at that? I want you to look there at a quote by Kay Warren. I love, that's Rick and Kay, you know, purpose-driven life. That's Rick or his wife's name is Kay. And she's written a book there. It's called Choose Joy Because Happiness Isn't Enough. I love that title. But listen to what she says right here. Joy is a settled assurance that God is in control of all the details of my life, the quiet confidence that ultimately everything is going to be all right, and the determined choice to praise God in every situation. How many of you have joy at that level? You're like, no, wait a minute. If I've got a really difficult situation, there's no joy, then you don't understand what joy is. Joy is that inward happening of grace as a result of having relationship with Jesus. It has nothing to do with plenty of money, lots of health, lots of friends, lots of food, lots of houses, lots of everything. Everything's going my way. Oh no, 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 no. That's that's happiness. Joy is a spiritual matter. Joy is is a person. It's the person of Christ. It's, it's being enveloped. It's being filled. It's him overflowing in your life. Joy is never dependent on a perfect day. I don't know about you, but you, you know how sometimes people always ask you, how are you doing? And I ask people that all the time. People ask me, and you go, oh, man, doing good. Oh, man, great day. Oh, Good day, oh, oh, it's kind of horrible. Oh, you know, life stinks, you know. And then some people, every time you ask them, how you doing? Oh, man, brother, brother, man, the sky's falling. Life's horrible. And I know what you do. I do it too. I avoid them. Because, I mean, if you tell me, I mean, if you come to me and say, man, pastor, pastor, man, I'm hurting. Man, I want to come and I want to pray and I want to lay hands on you, I mean, in a good way. And it's all awesome. But if every time I see you, you go, uh ah, you're a Christian Eeyore, and I don't, I don't even think that's right. You know, oh, it's like, oh, man, you just, ugh. I'm praying in this series that God's going to fill you with joy, and everybody's going, oh, I'm bringing somebody next week. They need to hear this. Bring your wife. Bring your husband. Bring your kids. Bring your parents. Bring your boss. Hey, just a thought. Okay, all right, all right. Here, here's what I know. There's a lot of joyless Christianity in our world, there's not a lot of the joy of the Lord. Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10, the joy of the Lord is my strength. You know it. The joy of the Lord is my strength. And I'm praying in this series, God's going to infuse you and me with spiritual joy. Joy unspeakable. Joy that overflows. Joy that we need. And it's, it's, it's based on the Bible. It's, 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 it's biblical joy. It's the joy that, I, I like how this one writer said, we tend to think that life comes in hills and valleys. In reality, it's much more like train tracks. Listen to this. Every day of your life, wonderful good things happen that bring pleasure and contentment and beauty to you. At the exact time, painful things happen to you or those that you love, that disappoint you, hurt you, And fill you with sorrow. These two tracks, both joy and sorrow, run parallel to each other in every single moment of your life. Do I have a witness in the house of God this morning? Joy and sorrow, a parallel track that run. But the thing is, Christ is sufficient. And he wants to produce joy in our hearts this morning through through his word, through our relationship with Christ. So I think about this. You, you look down these tracks, and it's, it's like you, you can't, if you had to look off in the distance, you cannot distinguish these as two distinct separate tracks anymore. These tracks, they, they, they merge into one. It's called life. So what I'm saying to you is your life is going to be filled with pain and regret and sorrow. That, that's part of it. You have a sin nature. I have a sin nature. I'm going to make mistakes. Sometimes I'm going to suffer for other people's sin. Sometimes I'm going to suffer for my sin. I'm going to suffer for my poor choices. I'm going to suffer because I don't let Christ rule fully in my heart, and you do too. But then there's going to be grace, and there's going to be joy, and there's going to be forgiveness, and we're going to be able to go on with the Father. And I'm just praying in this series, somehow God's going to take his word, and we're going to say, but Lord, when it's all said and done, I am thankful For the joy of my salvation. Look at the very top across there, the message question. How do relationships become a source of joy? How does my relationship with Christ equate joy? How does my relationship with people around me produce joy? And I'm hoping that I can try to show us a little bit from the scripture this morning how that might work and what we need to do. I like what C.S. Lewis said. He said, joy... Is a serious business of heaven see if we could peel back this roof and we could peel back the clouds and we could just get a front row seat right in heaven I think the Lord would say man joy is who I am joy is what I want to give my church the bride of Christ I want to fill you son I want to fill you daughter with joy joy is an attractive witness it's the inner working of Christ. It's the inner strength of Christ. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's gratitude. Gratitude is the memory of the heart. And, Lord, I just get grateful. Lord, I just trust you. Lord, I run after you. Lord, I need you to change my perspective. I want to get back to that word. I, just, I listened to this thing the other day by Craig Rochelle. I loved it about perspective. And I think about how many times you and I, when we get right perspective, we can face anything. We've got people in our congregation that have died. We've got people that are maybe dying now. We're all dying on the way to the land of the living, I just want to tell you. And uh, we've got people that have cancer. We have people that are in remission. We've got people that will have a diagnosis or have a heart attack or, or they'll get a promotion, they'll get a raise, they'll get joys. I'm just saying all this stuff happens in life. And Christ wants us to depend on him. And he wants to be our joy. And, Lord, we go fill us with that inexpressible. It's like Paul is preacher. And God makes him prisoner, chained to the Praetorian guards in house arrest. And when I'm looking at that, I'm going, man, how does he write a book with such ecstatic joy? Because he knew who he was in Christ. He knew Christ was his life. He knew Christ was his strength. He knew he wanted to focus on the goodness of God. He wanted to pray. He wanted to rejoice. Look down there in verse 3 in the NIV. I thank my God every time I remember you. I like that. Every time I think of you, I remember you. Look, look at number one. Put others in your thoughts. That's how you get joy. You begin to not think so much about you, about yourself, me, I. I think about others, and I put them. You know, I hear this sometimes. You, people say, you're in my thoughts. You're in my prayers. You're in my thoughts and my prayers, and, and you're reflecting on them. And I like it when people say, man, you're in my thoughts, Pastor. And when you say, man, you're in my prayers, I'm like, man, I need it. And you're saying, yeah, you certainly do. But we all need, that wasn't funny, we all need just trust, and we need say, God, mark us with joy. I, I like what John 15, 11, write this in the margin. It's not in your notes, but I want you to see this verse from the Gospel of John. Jesus said, because I think Jesus was a person of joy, he is a person of joy, he's a king of joy. He says, I've told you this so that you I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. See, the joy of Jesus, he wants to come and occupy our hearts fully, and he wants to make us complete. And sometimes we're incomplete because we're not focusing on Christ. We don't have the right perspective, and we're not putting him in our thoughts. We're, we're not saying, Christ, you're constantly on my mind, or we're not saying that, that others are, are in our thoughts. And, and don't you love it when people just say, man, I'm, I'm really thinking about you I've reflected a lot about you this week. And do you ever ask them this? What you been thinking about me? I mean, be brave. Like, when somebody says that, then go, well, go ahead. Tell me what you've been thinking. And and if they're really Uh, for your heart and man, man, I've been thinking good things or I've had great thoughts about you or I've been thinking about how God's using you in my life, how you've had a spiritual impact or I've been thinking about how God wants to use you or or you're saying, I I was reading this scripture and I thought about you, you you, you came to mind. I, I, I read scripture a lot, but when I read it, sometimes just certain people come to mind and they get heavy in my mind. And sometimes I'll send them a text or I'll send them a scripture, let them know that, hey, I was thinking about you today when I was reading Philippians, I was reading Ephesians, I was reading this. And sometimes uh, maybe there's a sin situation, I don't usually write them and go, hey, I just want you to know I was thinking about you when I read this scripture. You liar. You adulterer. You drunkard. I just wanted you to know in Jesus' name, have joy. I probably wouldn't have any friends if I did that. But in my, in my closet, I think about people that way. Listen to Robert Louis Stevenson. The man who has forgotten to be thankful has fallen asleep in life. I don't want to fall asleep, do you? I want to be fully alive. I want you to be fully alive and engaged with Christ and with the joy of the Lord and say, Lord, I, I run for you. So here, I just want to say, putting others in your thoughts, I want to give you a thought this morning, just a practical application. When was the last time that you thanked God for another person? And what did you do about it? Here's the simple thing. Pick up the phone and give them a call. And some of you are like, nope. Going to use social media. Cool. Instagram so the world can know. I love to send people text. It's quick. It's direct. We don't get long conversations. <laughs> and it lasts. Just yesterday, a sister in Christ in our church, she just sent me a message of hope and encouragement how she was praying for me. And I don't go, ha, oh, I looked at it three times yesterday. You're saying, really, are you that deficient? Yeah, well, you know, pretty much. You know, sometimes I get beat up by the devil. How, y'all walk in warfare too? And sometimes I just need to be encouraged. And, and that text was just a reminder Somebody was thinking of me. I was in their thoughts. I was in their prayers. I, I, I love that. So here, look, look at 3 through 5. He says, I thank my God every time I remember you in 4, and all my prayers for all of you. So Paul was extremely prayerful, and he's inviting us to pray. I always pray with joy. Here he is in prison, chained, and he's praying with joy. I love that. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Almost called this joy and partnership. But I thought joy and friendship would be good, but, 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 or in relationships. But as I look at this, I think we have partnerships. Don and I hosted one of our partners. They're the first ministry our church supported when we started in 1996. We determined we would be a mission-minded church, and we would have missionary partners in Montgomery to Africa. And our Go International partner, the CEO, came and spent the night with us Friday night, and we had fellowship. And, and it's just that, it's that joy when I pray for them and their ministry. And it's a, that it's joy as we partner together because we can do more together than we could ever do alone. How many of you believe when you have partnerships you can accomplish more? Sure you can. Why do you think you have so many conglomerates and, and so many companies and corporations that merge and they come together because they, they have a partnership? So God says, I want to give you a partnership that you can share the gospel. Look at the second one. We put them in our thoughts, but we put them in our hearts. We put them in our hearts. You're going, well, how do I put them in my heart? I, I, I can't fit anybody in my heart. Your heart, if you look at the meaning of it, it means your, your existence, your core of who you are. And when I put people in my heart, they're, they're really in the centrality of my being. They're, they're, there's, a, there's a core, there's a deep affection for that person when I put them in my heart. And I invite us, as, as Paul would hear, put them in your heart, love them, stand up for them, defend them if need be, confirm them, what God's doing in their life, confirm the gospel witness. It, it's just a beautiful thing. And let me show you the third one. This is critical. Put others in your in your prayers. And I know I talk about prayer a lot because I think it's the heartbeat of the Father. But when we put other people in in our prayers, man, we see spiritual progress. We see prisoners set free. We see the the, the sick healed. I mean, there's so many things that happen. We see marriages that go south get reconciled. I mean, on and on and on, I see. And then I thought, well, what can I tell the people today to encourage them? When we say put others in your prayers, write, write some of these things down. I, I just think you need this. Be extremely specific. Years ago, I remember I always say, hey, I'm praying for you. And I really do. Now, Honestly, sometimes I feel like I lied because I like, "Hey, I'll be praying for you," and then next time I see him, like, oh, they say a quick one, and so I do this a lot. I stop. If you come up to me a lot of times and you go, "Would you pray for me?" a lot of times I'll stop you right then. I go, "Let's pray right now." And you're like, "Right now? We're in Walmart. It's tough. You shouldn't ask me." And we pray right then because I don't want to be a liar and and, and I want to pray. You like, well that's pretty cool. And you ask me in the parking lot. You ask me in the, and you're in the hospital. You're like, "I'm dying." Oh, you're, you're, you're like, hey, could you bring a busload load next week? I want everybody to pray for me. But if you're in certain situations, like, don't don't pray right here. And then a lot of times I do. I go put it in my phone. A lot of times I go, hey, let me, let me put this down because that's a reminder, and, I, and I'll go to it. And I will go, I gotta pray for them. And then the Holy Spirit will, will put people in my heart, and I pray for them. And I hope you do. But be, but if somebody came to you and said, okay, I asked you to pray for me. This this happens to me, and it's convicting. How are you praying for me? huh? Hey, look, isn't it enough and I'm praying for you? No, no. I want to know how you're praying. And at that point, you hope you have the joy of Christ. You hope you have scripture. You hope you have things that you've been petitioning the Lord on their behalf. Here's something else I wrote down. Pray for others' hearts. Pray that their hearts would be softened. Their hearts would be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. I pray this all the time for you. I pray you'd be sensitive to God's word when I proclaim it week in and week out. I pray that you're, here's another one I pray for. I pray for other salvation all the time. I pray for your kids. I pray for your spouses. I pray for your dads and moms. I pray for your cousins and your employers and your employees. I pray for your friends as you let me know, because that's what a church does, and that's what the body of Christ does. And Paul would just say, I want you to pray. I pray for salvation. I pray for healing. I love to pray for healing. I pray for provision for you and for me. Just write down 1 Samuel 12, 23. You can read it later. I want you to see this. 1 Samuel 12, 23. It would be a sin if we didn't pray for one another. This morning, I've told you I do it a lot. I pray for 57 pastors every Sunday morning before I come here. You say, how do you know? I got them numbered. And here's what's amazing. I've done it for years. There's many of those churches in our city, and there's churches all across the country. And it's amazing. I have to do multiple lists. You won't believe how many pastors change and come and go. In our city, I cannot tell you how many pastors i prayed for in church after church. He was there for three years, five years, 10 years, 20 years, five years, one year, six months. Not probably doing too good. You know? And you pray. And I pray for them because I think that's the heart of the Father. And I ask you, I, I ask you selfishly, but I need it. I ask you to pray for me. And the church said, and so if all of you grab me next time at Walmart, we'll just have a prayer meeting right there. And I, I hate Walmart, okay? So let's pray somewhere else, okay? Let's go to lunch somewhere fun, and then you pray, okay? That, that, that'd, that'd be better. All right. Well, Let me rephrase it. I don't hate Walmart. I just don't like it certain times of the day. Okay, here we go. All right. Here's another thing. I pray for my enemies. So Paul here, he's talking about I thank my God every time and carry it on to completion, and I, and I pray for my enemies. And you're going, do you have enemies? Yeah, we all do. Listen to this. I thought this was interesting. In Exodus 20, it talked about the priests and the guards, and that the the people would uh, they would wear gemstones, and they had twelve gems, and the twelve gems would represent the twelve tribes of Israel, and then they would have a strap across their shoulder, and it would they would have things written on there to carry the burdens uh, to the Most High God. And the, the symbolism sometimes when you get into the history of, of, of the attire that these people wore in the Old Testament is just unbelievable spiritual warfare. And, of course, this morning, I don't think any of you have, like, 12 gems of the tribes of Israel or you have names written, but I'm just saying, God, I want it close to me. I want it on my forehead. I want it on my mouth. I want it in my heart. Lord, I want you to restore. I want you to rescue. But I want you to move down to this section here that I get so excited about every time I read it. Verse 6, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion against the day of Christ Jesus. I am confident of this very thing. I don't have a confidence in, in a lot of stuff. But there's one thing that absolutely with every cell, every fiber of my being, I am confident. If God has begun a good work in you, he will perfect it, and he will carry it to completion against the day that you sit at the table of Jesus Christ. How many believe that? Because God promised that, that he works within, he works within your heart, and I understand that. And I'm like, God, that, that is so awesome that if we yield ourselves to you, we have more joy if we yield ourselves, if we submit ourselves. I don't know about you. Uh, here, this is going to help somebody. Does anybody have any unfinished projects around your house? Let's just raise your hands. Hey, let's start a club. That would be cool. And, and let's start at my house. So y'all come over. This Saturday, I'd like to invite you over. We've got some things for you to do. no. I'm I'm kidding. Although, if you want to come, call me. That'd be cool. Okay. We all have unfinished projects, don't we? And some of you are like, oh, no, man, I've finished my list, and I've done all my neighbors. Well, you're superhuman, okay? But the rest of us, we're struggling, okay? Here's what I know. We're all unfinished projects. But God says he's going to complete the project of our lives, our hearts, when we surrender and submit to him. I like that God's not going to have any unfinished business when it's all over. He's going to do everything that he wanted to do. Maybe we didn't give him the rule that he wanted, but we say, Lord, you're in charge of the work. Do you believe God's in charge of the work or do you think you're in charge of the work? God is. This church, you know what what gives me peace? Is I have to realize it's his church and that it's his responsibility and that he's got to take care of it. He's got to shepherd it. I'm just an under-shepherd. He's the chief shepherd of our soul. And he's just called me to an office just to occupy for however many years. And he's called you to different things. But Christ wants to use you. And he wants you to serve him. And he's over. And and so we're the object of his work. I read this illustration. I I like this about this piano, uh, the Steinway. It's beautiful outside, but this guy came up and and he he found it was gutted on the inside. So it looked beautiful, but when he looked under the hood, if you would, there was nothing there, so there wasn't much to it. But I I started finding out about Steinways. Listen to this. Each unit has 200 craftsmen work on it. It has 12,000 parts in a Steinway piano. It takes a couple of years to make one, and each key is struck. 10,000 times to ensure that it will work properly you're going I don't want that piano it's gonna be wore out when it gets to my house I did think about that no it's such a work of mastery and what I'm thinking is we're the work of grace we're the work of Christ Christ is working in us this morning he will complete us against the day. What are you allowing Christ to do? What do you surrender to? What have you offered up to him? You're saying, well, man, I just, I just feel guilty. Man, don't, don't feel guilty. Get hungry. Say, <laughs> so, God, I want to be hungry for more of you. I, I want to go in with you, Christ. Um, I want you to write down this thought right now. God completes what God begins. Let's say it together. God completes what God begins. Do you believe that? Yes or no? I do. God began a work in me in the 70s. And he will complete this work in the day of Christ Jesus. If he's completed, if He's began a work in you, he will complete it, says the word of God. Philippians 1.6. I know right now my wife's thrilled. I didn't sing this year. When I usually teach on Philippians, I get to verse 6 and I sing. I have a little Jamaican rumble I love to sing. But I'm not going to do it today just to tease you. Some of you said, no, just to bless us if you don't sing. And I, I thought about that too. So I'm not going to sing today. Maybe another day, okay? So here is the work. Let me give you this last thing, and I'm going to invite the worship team to come up because I could preach for an hour. And uh, Go ahead, and let me get you to fill out the message truth. Joy is an outward expression of an inward happening. Joy is an outward expression to the world, to our witness, of an inward happening. Now, I was reading this thing by Rick Warren the other day, and I loved it. It was an acrostic, joyful. So if you could just write in your message notes today the word joyful, just write down one side, J-O-Y-F-U-L. Listen to this. The J stands for jettison, all the regrets about your past. Jettison means to abandon, as worthless, to discard, to eliminate, to get rid of. Philippians says in chapter 3, verse 13, there is one thing I do forget that which is behind and I press on to what to know Christ so some of you need to say you know what I need to jettison in this joy quotient let me move you to the next one quickly the word oh amid all my worries about my future some of you this morning you are so fretting you're so worried you're on medication you might should be on medication I don't know But the bottom line is Philippians 4, 6 says, be anxious for nothing. We'll study that scripture in weeks to come. The Y stands for yield yourself to the purposes of God. That's what I've been trying to talk about all morning. God, I surrender. God, I yield. Uh, I want something greater than myself. The F is for I focus on what's good. And what is good and pleasing is the will of God. What is good and pleasing is to make my focus Jesus. So we focus on him. The U is for, I use the life that God has redeemed. I use the life that I have to help others. I am not my own. I've been bought with a price. Therefore, I will serve. I will love. I will grace. I will pray. I will help. I will have you in my faults. And the L is for, I will learn to be content. And Philippians talks about that as we get there in a few weeks. This morning, I'm just praying that you're gonna rejoice in the Lord. So here he is, Lord, you will carry it to completion. In verse nine, and this is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and in depth and in insight. God, come this morning and fill this place with joy of Jesus, with the life of Christ, God, grace people today and forgive people of sins. God, give new direction. Give new perspective. Give new life this morning, Jesus, because we've come. Lord, we want to be the most joyful people on the planet because our sins are forgiven and we're going to go to heaven. We're going to be the most joyful people because we have a relationship with Abba. He is a good, good Father. Bow your heads with me. Lord, I thank you for the truth of Holy Scripture today, Lord. And God, there is none like you. Lord, your ways are so high and so right. And Lord, I pray that we would rejoice, that we're partakers of grace, that we would have the affection of Christ, that you would work deeply within us this morning. Lord, make us a people of prayer. Make us a people of service. Make us a people of the book. God, come today. It just ignites some new joy in this room. God, move us from depression, move us from discouragement to the place of joy. The joy of the Lord is our strength.